Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. There was a diverse group of men that wrote our scriptures that we have. And matter of fact, most of these, these authors never even knew one another. And they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have Twitter, they didn't have Instagram to put together some collaboration. What also makes this special is that there are these 66 books were written over 1,500 years. And so we have 40 authors, 66 books over 1,500 years. And the, the, uh, how they connect and how they're without fault is absolutely nothing short of a miracle as if God breathed the scriptures and inspired men to, read, to write them. The 66 books were written in three ancient languages, in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, which also makes the continuity added on the 1,500 years and the 66 books and the 40 authors just absolutely amazing. And they were written in three different continents, in Africa and Asia and Europe. And I could spend so much more time and and in depth of the historical nature of the inspired word of God. But let us not forget, even though there is a historical nature and accuracy of the word of God, it is also God's breath to us, his life to us, his inspired word that will endure forever. I mean, when you look at just the, the, the aspects they use to um, gauge and judge the accuracy, the authenticity of historical writings, especially the New Testament, it far exceeds any device that historically they set up about accuracy to historical writing. And the, especially the New Testament far exceeds anything, um, Homer's Iliad or anything like that. And we could spend a lot of time talking about that, but I want to focus more on the life that's in the Word, the power that's in the Word, the promises that we have in God's word. And so we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses uh, chap- 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. It's a it's a simple scripture. Matter of fact, we have many in our church that are going through uh, the credentialing process and the Bible Institute and this is one of those verses you have to have memorized when you come and take your credentialing test. But 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That inspired word of God that is breathed out by him. There's a quote by George Mueller. If you don't know who George Mueller is, that's kind of really in short of it. He was just a great man of faith, and, and he started many orphanages. And as a matter of fact, if you read his writings, um, talking about the miracles that happened. It's just amazing about the miracles that happened um, in his ministry and his life with the orphanages that he founded. But something he said was this, I saw the most important thing I had to do was give myself to the reading of the Word of God and, um, and, and, to, and to meditation on it. What is the food of the inner man? Not prayer, but the Word of God. 
and not the simple reading of the Word of God so that it only passes through our minds just as water runs through a pipe, but considering what we read, pondering over it, and applying it to our hearts. I mean, I thought that's a really good quote. Is that, I mean, just to daily read to, you know, keep our, I mean, if, you're, if you use version, um, I, think, uh, I think it's really neat how it tells, you know, consecutive days and how much you've read and all that. But it's, it's more than just a checkbox. I mean, the, God's Word is what sustains us. It's where we find strength. It's where we find the truth to stand on. God's Word is His breath. It is life. It's, it's oxygen to our lungs. It's, it, it, it should mean something to us. And it should not be something that we just open up on a Sunday. Sunday, but that we look to, we stand on, we digest, we take in. But a couple of things, a few things I want to just point out to you when it comes to God's promises. And you're going to hear, I'm trying to say it different ways, but you're going to hear a repetitive theme. And it's going to be found in these four things. But number one is this, is that God's word can never mean what it was never meant to mean. God's word can never mean what it was never meant meant to mean. I'm going to break that apart through this morning, but number two is this, is that God's original purpose for his word is still the purpose for his word. God's word does not change. It doesn't matter what happens in legislation. It doesn't matter, and I'm trying not to be insensitive when I say this, but it doesn't matter whose feelings that is hurt. The, The gospel is offensive to those who do not want to live right. I mean, that's just the truth of it. And that's part of what we have to um, just to accept and, and uh, move on with. Number three is this. The Word of God is alive and it's active. God's Word can never mean what it was never meant to mean. God's Word is still, His purpose for His Word is still true today. God's Word is alive and active. That means it speaks to you right where you are. Have you ever read a passage of Scripture and you opened it up and it was... Uh, uh, you know, maybe it's something you read a hundred times over, but one morning, one day, one moment, you read a passage, and it was like there was a spotlight on that. It was like an explosion happened in your mind and your heart. That is because the Word of God is alive and active. God's Word of and also it's alive and active because when we live by the principles, by the truths, and the Word of God, we really begin to understand what it means to be free. It changes us. It transforms us. Uh, there was a, um, I can't remember the author's name right now. It slips my mind. Um, Mark Twain. He said that it's not the parts of Scripture that I don't understand that bother me. It's the ones I do understand that bother me. I mean, when we read the Word of God, it should really do something into our hearts and our spirits and our mind. The Bible tells in Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11, it's one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to about the promises of the Word of God. It says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return, there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower, bread to the eater. Verse 11, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the very thing which I sent it. God's word will not return 
void. And that's where that comes from. We can never make God's word mean what it ne- was never mean, meant to mean. It, the reason why so many times that we don't see things come to fruition in our life is because we're allowing our desire to shape God's word and how we perceive promises. But that's not how it works. How it works is God's promises, it shapes us and it changes what we desire and what we think. Have you ever stood on a promise of God's word and it hasn't? come to pass there's reasons for that I'll tell you my well, I you know I don't remember much about my college days it's it's getting further and further away but I remember my first day at Southwestern for Leroy Bartell and his Bible study class and he opened with that verse Isaiah 55 10 and 11 and as he read that he said something that I've never I've never forgotten But he said the reason why so many people, so many believers don't see the promises of God come to fulfillment in their life because what they are sending out is not his promise, but their own desire. But when we send out God's promise, that's what will not return void. That is a powerful statement. So how do we see these promises come to pass in our life? One is by faith. And that's what we're going to break down in just a few moments. But one is by faith. It is something by faith that we stand on God's word. It's by faith that we receive his promises. It's by faith that we live this life out, that we act out in obedience. And the second thing I think we forget sometimes is perseverance. I mean, sometimes it takes time. We don't like that word much. We... I mean, we want to put the popcorn button on the microwave and ding it be done, right? But see, God's ways are higher than our ways. His purposes are different than, than our purposes. He's, he's doing a greater work within us than what we can even imagine. And sometimes you got to, you know, it's just like a, a good cup of tea. It's got to steep a little while. Right? Matter of fact, the Bible says in the parable of the sower that because of persecution that people can't persevere in the word and so that seed it dies it's robbed and so what happens when we go through trials and tribulations i mean listen to me if you're going to claim a promise in god's word you can be sure that you're going to be attacked on the promise you're trying to hold to then he'll do it every single time that, amen when you hear something and it sparks something inside of you and you want to hold on to that promise, sometimes you have to persevere because you might just go through the trial. That shouldn't make us hesitate. That shouldn't uh, keep us uh, from jumping in and holding on to that promise. The third one is obedience. I'm going to tell you, man, when you look through Scripture, I, you see... In our culture versus, I mean, there is a huge gap between, you know, the promises we paint on our living room walls versus what we're willing to obey. It takes obedience to see the promises of God take place in your life. And of course, four is understanding. I mean, as we said, God's word can never mean what it was never meant to mean. God's original purpose for his word is still his purpose for his word. We have to have some understanding of what we're reading. And there's several ways that can happen. You can study. 
Did you know that? You can, you can study, God. you can do some research, and you can look who wrote what you were reading. Why did they write it to? Who, who do they write it to? You, and to really understand God's Word, those are some simple things that we can understand. But I'm going to tell you something else. The Holy Spirit will also enlighten it to you. The Holy Spirit will also bring revelation. It'll be like the Holy Spirit shines a spotlight on that promise that you're reading, and it will make sense. I'll never forget. Uh, I mean, uh, I went, before I was really in a full-time ministry, and I had gotten saved, and I was living for the Lord, and, and I had this business, and um, uh, I, I was making a call on this guy. And I've shared this story. It was some years ago, but, I, you know, when I, I, knocked on, I went in this guy's office, and, and man, what just blew me away was the pride, man. This guy was hardcore, man. I mean, he was a hardcore, but I mean, he was all, it was awesome. And so I walked in, and I mean, he looked, he goes, you're a Christian. I said, yes, sir, I am. He's like, come here. And so we go to his office. He starts to tell me his story, some of which I don't, I don't have time to say, but I'll, I do want to share this part is that he was illiterate. He came to Christ and through a miraculous way, but he could not read. He couldn't read anything, and so he was really brokenhearted over this, and so he wanted to read God's Word, and so his wife would read it to him, and, and, but at night, he just really began to seek God, and I, if you have a problem with this, I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I don't know what to tell you except that God does miracles every day. That's the only way I know to preface. That's, that's just it, but he would lay in bed at night, and in his dreams, the Holy Spirit would read him the Bible. And by the Holy Spirit reading the Bible, while he, he would dream about the Scriptures all night. And, and through that, he learned. To, nobody, his wife, nobody taught him. He learned to read the Holy Spirit reading him the Bible. This blows my mind. And I mean, and, and if you knew the rest of his story, it would kind of maybe add up a little bit. I mean, it was just, I, mean, I was just blown away. But we live in a day of just mistrust. We've learned from experience that people, spouses, family, companies, government, uh, break their promises every single day. And so we, as a culture, have really learned to doubt. I mean, I say this all the time, and I'll own it. You will not meet a bigger skeptic than me. Is anybody like me? So many, you, don't, you think I'm trying to bait and switch you. But I'm, there's so many things. I'm, I mean, I don't, man, when somebody tells me something, I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> I, that's, my, that's my first uh, kind of response to things. But I'm going to tell you, I, we've learned that really contracts don't matter. I mean, one thing that blows my mind, whether it be college sports or professional sports, is that contracts really mean nothing if you've got enough money. I mean, we, we really don't see sincere commitment. We, we wonder if the promise made will really ever be kept. It's sad when people bring that same distrust to church. They don't trust the pastor. They don't trust leadership of the church. It's even more heartbreaking when people make that same decision about God. They decide that God doesn't keep his word, that I can't trust him with his promises, that God will let me down just like everyone else has let me down in life. And often they make a decision that is contrary to really what God wants in their life. But, and there's two reasons why this happens. One is, is that God never made that promise. God never made the promise. I mean, think about it. 
There is something we feel entitled to or a promise we decide on our own that God should make. We read into what God is trying to say to us. Are you with me right now? I mean, I mean, what, you know, true or false in the scripture, does it say that God helps those who help themselves? No, it doesn't say that. Or I, I know some of us really wish this was like a proverb. Cleanliness is next to godliness. We, we want that to say, right? I mean, some of us, I mean, we'd like to tell our kids, you know, you're disobeying the scripture. God never promised life would be easy. God never promised that everything in life would be great. God never promised that your load you carry in life would never be heavy. But he did promise if you have a heavy load to come to him. I mean, I could go on and on and on. We have to understand and know the promises that God really did make. There's a second one that God made the promise, but it includes a command that we decided to ignore. If you decide to ignore the then, the if of the then statements, you're not going to see the Word of God in its fullness, that operation of what, of what God can do for you in your life. Many of God's promises are in response to our obedience. Think of it this way. If you attend, if I were to announce, if you attend every single Sunday, if you're here all 52 Sundays, whoever does that, I'm going to take you out and you're going to have a steak dinner on me. Maybe we should do that. But if you're every single week, I'm going to take you out for a steak dinner. But then, you only show up for 34 of those 52 Sundays. You miss these weekends, and you still expect the steak. That's not going to work. Do you think, I'll, if I say, you be here every 52 weeks, and if you're here, then I will take you out for a steak. And then, if you miss 12 weeks, and then you want that steak, have you fulfilled your obligation? God's promises to bless and to provide for us. But if we ignore his commands regarding our money, we choose not to live according to the promise. See, giving my tithe seven months out of 12 is not being faithful as God has asked of me. And so then I can't stand on the promise, the windows of heaven opening up and the devourer being rebuked. I got really quiet. You see, God's math is not $25 out of $4,000 a month income, but it's a $400 a month that we are to give back to God. And if you really want to know financial blessing in your life, then obey what God's Word tells us to. Over and over and over again, the people I see struggle the most are the people that are the least faithful with giving back to God, what is to worship Him. Amen. I know you don't want to hear that. I know it's, it's not really easy for me to say, but it's still the truth. Or how about you want your marriage blessed, but you choose to engage in sexual sin? But how about you want the Lord to give you the desires of your heart, but you're not willing to delight yourself in Him? There are so many if-then statements in Scripture. 
And then what we decide is that God is not keeping his word, but the fact of the matter is we claim the promise but ignored the command, and it doesn't work that way. And so the goal of this series, the goal of these few weeks, what I want to talk about are how to stand on those promises of God and what he's freely given us. And over the weeks, I believe that we're going to memorize some scriptures to give you some promises, to give you some weapons to stand on, so that when Satan tries to make you believe a lie, you're going to have a promise to stand on. When people try to drag you down, you'll have a promise to answer them with when you get sick there's going to be a promise for healing for you when you feel alone there is a promise when you feel discouraged there is a promise when you're afraid about the future there is a promise when you're exhausted there is a promise when you face a new challenge there is a promise to give you a confidence from God to step out and walk out in faith when circumstances don't go your way there is a promise from God but how do we see these promises come to pass in our life? Well, I gave you a list of four things earlier. Faith, perseverance, obedience, and understanding. And what I want to take just a moment, just a brief moment, is to talk about faith. Is to talk about the faith portion. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. How does that, I mean this applies so many ways obviously in, in life and in the practical, but this morning if you're on this side you picture the circumstance and on the other side you have God's promises and so you see both of them, but what we have to do is depend on God's promises and not the circumstance. I'm going to believe God's promises regardless of what the circumstances of life tell me. And so even though I, there's these, these set of facts, these the set of circumstances, and if God's word speaks contrary to what that circumstance is, what am I going to believe? Am I going to believe the circumstance or am I going to believe God's word? And sometimes when we stand by faith on God's word, it's not going to look like anything's happening. It's, it's not always going to happen on our timeline. That's where that perseverance comes into play. And maybe God has spoken to you some dream or, or, or there's a, a desire that you have in your heart that you know that is from the Holy Spirit well, then it's by faith you, no matter what the road looks like, no matter what the storm looks like, no matter what may come again, you stand on what God spoke to your heart. I, you know, just this week being with my parents over, over a, a spring break, and, and we briefly just, you know, had a, a small conversation, but I think my mom is a great testimony of that, that when she first really... I mean, turn her life over to the Lord, and, and she was serving God. Somebody had spoken over her life. She said, you know, it was a scripture that goes with uh, when Paul and Anani uh, Paul and uh, Silas were in prison, and, you know, the, man, they praised God, and the, the, the chains, and, the, you know, the jail shook, and, and the, but Paul told the guard, he said, believe today, believe, and you and your whole family will be saved, and 
And he told her, he said, that's, that's God's promise to you. And my mother held on to that. I mean, for decades she held on to that and saw it all to come to fruition. But it didn't happen from one Sunday to the next. And she never gave up. Maybe there were there times in that season she wanted to, that all kinds of junk in life happened that was contrary to what the promise that God gave her? Absolutely. But she held on to the promise. And that's one of the reasons why I stand in front of you today behind this pulpit is because she held on to that promise. And you can see the same thing happen in your life. I'm going to believe God's promises regardless of what the circumstance tells me. Living by faith means to live by the promise and not the circumstance. And so the two types of circumstances that we have, one is troubles. I, my, my, uh, my papa Maxie, he had, a, he had a pit bull and he named that pit bull Trouble. Because that's all that dog was, was, was trouble. And uh, anyway, <laughs> but troubles. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and, it was, and great was the fall of it. I mean, it doesn't, I don't have to dissect that. I mean, it kind of really tells us what's going on there, right? That troubles, it can include financial problems, health problems, relationship struggles. A doctor tells you, gives you a certain diagnosis, or maybe you can't find a job, so you don't know how you're going to pay your mortgage, or you're suffering from a broken relationship. But there, there's some kind of trouble going on in your life, and that's the storm in life. And so if you're going to stand through it, where do you have to find yourself? on the security of God's Word, on the established foundation of God's Word. If you stand on that, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. You'll always have that foundation. You'll always find yourself standing at the end of the trouble. If you allow them, if, you, if we allow the circumstance to, to have its way, you know what we deal with? We deal with fear, we deal with worry, we deal with anxiety, we deal with negative thoughts, up and down emotions. There's a second thing to our circumstance, and that is temptations. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 14, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Now there's very something very, uh, very simple about this verse. I mean, we could, of course, you could unravel it like an onion and go as deep as you want. But there's something very simple to this is that you're not going to be tempted by something that you don't like. Right? I mean, you know, when we go out to eat and I'm looking at the menu... I mean, it's the ribeye section that is the temptation for me. I mean, I'm not real tempted by the salmon salad. I mean, you know, 
I mean, because my desire is for that medium, rare, juicy. Oh, and if you, if you, okay, side note here. We may need to pause the stream for this, I don't know. But if you get your steak well done, just order a hamburger. I love you. I love you. I love all of you. But somebody's got to tell you the truth in love. But you're only going to be tempted by what you desire. And so that's real important to understand. But temptations, they entice us to feel or think something is good and that moment when really the truth of the matter is it will bind us and lead us into eternal punishment when it comes down to it. Do you hear me this morning, church? God is a promise-keeping God. That is who he is. As much as God is love, God is a promise-keeping God. But God's promises are not a lottery ticket. His promises aren't designed to fulfill our every wish and desire. His promises are designed to fulfill His plan and His purpose that He has for our life. And His plans for us is good. God's plan for us and our life is better than a plan that you can have for your life. And when we follow God's commands, we receive God's promises. There's verses that are going to form the background of this as we're in this series, God's promises. And the first one that we are going to be learning, so what's going to happen is, matter of fact, you, they're either going to hand them to you or they're going to be out there in information desk. But every week, I'm going to have a card that looks like this right here. And so what we're going to, so, you know, every, usually, you know, pretty often, not every single week, but pretty often, you know, we close. Sometimes I call it the MMA because I like MMA, but MMA is Monday morning action. I, you know, I signed that homework, and so this is going to be our weekly homework, is that we are going to memorize short verses of Scripture together. That has excited me a whole lot more than what you look, how excited you look. So, on those cards out there, it's going to be like this, and so this week is Hebrews 10.23, and on the back of it is going to be that verse, Hebrews 10.23, and so I'm giving you this so you can stick it in your pocket, you can stick it in your purse, you want to take a picture with your phone, you want to put it on your mirror, your refrigerator, that you can have it with you, but this first one says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Matter of fact, I want you to say, I think it's on the screen, so we're going to say it together. So say it with me. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Is faithful. It goes on to say just a few verses later in verses 35 and 36. Therefore do not throw away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of endurance. You know what that endurance is? That's that perseverance. That's that long suffering so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what he has promised. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises and so you know i'm going to tell you there's a few of you there's a few of you i mean you know raul's good at this nathan's good at this of of amening 
when, when the preaching's good. That doesn't mean that when it's quiet, it's bad. And so, we're going to practice this because, you know, and I, I listen, I'm going to tell you, I, I, of course, when I was growing up, that, you know, I mean, I grew up in, in a church, you know, that people shouted a lot and waved the hankies and, you know, I, I mean, I remember my first time at youth camp when I really you know, got right with God and I went as, a, as a, 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 an assistant counselor to youth camp and I'm in the service and like people are standing up saying, preach it! I'm like, what are you doing? You know, I'm not saying we're going to go that, I would not be opposed. You, you, might, you might be surprised at how that will get me going. But uh, we're going to practice amen because amen is something very specific. When we talk about amen, I mean, one example would be 2 Corinthians one uh, twenty, And in the New Living, it tells us this way. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. With a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amens ascend to the glory of God. And amen is an interesting word. We, most of us are familiar with that word. Matter of fact, amen is a universal word. You know, I've been to places where I've had to, you know, interpretation had to take place. And amen is one of those words that rarely has to be interpreted into another language. Usually when you say amen, the interpreter says amen. They may, may pronounce it a little different, maybe amen or whatever, but it's still the same word of amen. In response to the goodness of God's promises, believers, we should understand what it means to say amen. That word amen, it means so many things. It means so be it. It means believe. It means faithful. It means let it be done. It has so much meaning in that word, amen. And so when it means verily. When If you're a King James user, you'll see many times about, about verily. That's the same thing as amen or truly. Maybe in other translations, that means that's talking. That's the same thing as amen. And it, it, over time, amen was like sure or yes. But it was an expression knowing that what would be done, that God would not let it return void. It's a so be it on a standing on that promise. And I want to remind you what that verse says again, that in, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled where? In Christ. And it's been with a resounding yes, and through Christ it's going to happen and that should excite us that should breathe life into us to realize that every single promise that God promised we've seen, seen fulfilled in Christ Jesus that's a good place to say amen so when you believe God you imitate your I mean when we pray I mean we pray in the name of Jesus amen in the name of Jesus, so be it. Let it be done. I mean, it's saying I am confident in God's promises. It's saying it's true. It's saying I let it happen. It's saying so be it. And I mean, when, when we look at Scripture in Revelations 3.14, I don't think that's on the screen, but these words are the words of the amen. It's talking about Jesus right there, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I mean, that's who Jesus Jesus is God's amen to his promise. Do you understand that? Every promise that God has given, Christ is God's amen. It's God saying, yes, these are true. You can stand upon these. These are unshakable. 
I'm a whole lot more excited than you are right now. But you're going you're gonna to get warmed up. So here's what we're going to do. We're all going to practice, and we're going to say amen out loud together on the count of three. Are you ready? One, two, three, amen. Now we're going to say it like we're at a football game. Are you ready? So on the count of three, you're going to say it like you're at a football game. One, two, three, amen. Yeah. All right. Yes. So the promise of God. So here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to read a few, few promises. And after each one, after each promise I read, I'm going to read a verse. It will be on the screen. And when I read the verse, you're going to respond with how we just practiced with amen. Okay? I know some of you, I'm, you know, we all have different backgrounds. And I understand that I can get that, but it's okay. You can talk in church at this time. Not to your neighbor. Okay, so, here, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, and these are some of the promises we're going to look at over the next few weeks. But I'm going to say the verse, and you're going to respond with an amen. Are you ready? Oh. That was weak. Are you ready? All right. Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You have only, you have only to be silent. Deuteronomy 31.8, it is the Lord who goes before you, he will be with you, he will not leave you or forsake you, do not fear or be dismayed. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. Come to me all who labor and are heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And do not let us grow weary of doing good, for in due season you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. And my God shall supply your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And the power of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. I know, I, I, I tricked you there, it's okay. Revelation 22, 12, Behold, Jesus says, I'm coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one of you for that which he has done. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, God's promises are yes and amen. Yeah. Yes and amen. And so this morning, I want you to know, I mean, if, if you're here this morning and, I mean, I, I, man, I, this I mean, for some of you, did promises start to flood you right now? Of that he's lifted us out of the miry clay and set us on the rock. That we don't have to have fear or be afraid. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That he's endued us with power from on high. That he's given us the promise of the Holy Spirit. That he's the God who gives beauty for ashes, oil of gladness for mourning, the spirit of praise for heaviness, so that you may be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of, from the Lord. That's who you are. And all, there's, I mean, everywhere you look, there's a promise that you'll be like a well-watered garden whose springs of water never fails. That out of our inmost being shall flow rivers of living water. That by his stripes we were healed. That many may be our afflictions, but he delivers us from them all. Uh, there's so many promises. 
There is nothing that you'll ever face that there's not a promise for you. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.